Everybody loves chalupas. Everybody loves them now. If you really want chalupas, I'm the one to show you how. Chalupa, chalupas, you're all I need to get me there. Chalupas, ooh, chalupas, that's all I need in my life, I swear. A good old-fashioned chalupa from you, you wouldn't even have to do much. Chalupas, chalupas, that is all I live for every day. Thanks, y'all. What is that sound? That was my chair making a horrible racket. Oh, yes. It was the chair. Sure. And that smell, I am assuming, is vinyl? Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay, so I am Rish Outfield, and you are, unfortunately, listening to the Rish Outcast. You must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. And uh, I've got my former podcasting pal, Big Anklevich, on the line here. And what's funny is two weeks ago today, you and I recorded the last episode of the Dune Steve Audio Fiction magazine. And one week ago today, we recorded Anklecast episode for the future and here we are a week later this feels like when you and I would get together every Monday to podcast way back yeah it definitely does that used to be uh, weirdly because it's Monday you know Monday's supposed to be the horrible day I mean Garfield hates Mondays and you know nobody likes a Monday Uh, but that used to be my favorite day of the week just because of that we would get together we would hang out the whole evening. Often we would watch movies or we would just sit in a car in a parking lot just talking about whatever. And one time we even went to Target, bought a bunch of cereal <laughs> and took it to the parking lot and recorded ourselves trying each different kind. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, that is what it feels like now. And I kind of want to continue that. Although I'm not sure if I like Monday being the day. <laughs> it does tend to be a busy day. It might be better if we pick a different day. But all your days are all like used up. Monday is, you know, that was my day. So I can demand it back. Well, just last week you said, hey, we could do this every Monday. Yeah. And now you're wanting it to be a different day? Well, it's just because it comes after the weekend. And so I have extra stuff that I'm doing at work. And then I don't get as much time to, you know, on my lunch break, do my writing or any of that kind of stuff. And so I've got to make sure because I've, I've, you know, set an unreasonable uh, limit upon myself. <laughs> I have to do a certain amount every day, but I don't know. Well, the remarkable thing is that you are doing it. Gosh, when was it? 2019? When was the time when you were doing the, I'm going to write every single day. Yeah, that was. And then you missed. 
and you're just like, oh, geez. <laughs> and a few more days went by and you missed again and uh, really beat yourself up over it. Yeah, that was two, 2019 and 2020. 2020 was was when uh, you'll I'm sure you'll remember because I think you and I both started writing in February of 2020, but I had already started a little earlier. You'd started on your birthday. Yeah, I'd started on my birthday and I was just kind of working up to it. And then in January, I had myself the goal of writing a thousand words every day, which, of course, I promptly screwed up horribly by missing the first of January. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, well, there goes that goal. Uh, but I, I pushed on and got most of the days in January. I think I did miss one other day. But that was me kind of trying to learn to bring that to the forefront of my mind and it be a thing that I think about every day. And, and yeah, yeah, you and I did that for, boy, it went on for a long time. And then you eventually finally uh, called it quits as well. I called it quits once I hit my 300,000 words. I was just like, all right, that's it. I'm going to take a day off, which turned out to be a year and a half. <laughs> Wow, what a difference a day makes, as they used to say. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. And now I'm trying to uh, trying to get back to it now. And so far, I'm doing well. Made it 50 days straight already, so that's something. Have you hit any of those days where the last thing in the world you want to do is right? Where somebody could say, "Hey, listen, I'm going to hit you on your little finger with a hammer," or you can write and you're like, oh gosh, is it going to, it's just the flat end of the hammer. It's not the, uh, the other end, right? <laughs> it's not the claw, right? Okay. Give, give me the hammer. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I would go that far, but uh, there have been plenty of days where I'm just like, geez, I'm not feeling it today. And it's gotten worse uh, this month because I gave myself, you know, a goal of I have to get at least 500 words. You know, the first month, it was just, I need to write every day. Even if that was, you know, 200 words, which, I mean, that's like two paragraphs. So, you know, it could be something really minimal. And I did do that many times. But uh, now, this month, you know, I can't totally dog it and just say, okay, well, I wrote a, a tiny bit and now I can go to bed. Now I have to at least put in an, an effort and it's going to even be worse in September because I'm going to have to put in, you know, the full effort. I have to get to a thousand words a day. And I I don't get a thousand words very often right now. <laughs> I'm only getting it like two or three times a month and it's going to have to go to 30 times a month. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that one. I'm going to have to really try harder. Well, I can't talk you out of it, so I won't try. No, sir. Another tradition that we have, you and I, and I'm not sure how long this has been going on, but once a week, you and I tend to call each other or text each other to ask if we are out and about. <laughs> That's right. Which is the Canadian way of saying going someplace, going on a, on a, on a <laughs> trip. And uh, a lot of times that you and I have virtually gone with each other on a weekly toy run. Yeah, uh, and it's funny because you'll always, you know, you call me or I call you 
And then you'll always point out when we're done. You're like, all right, well, I'm going to let you go. I mean, I've been on the phone with you for three hours. <laughs> you always point out like the, the counter on the uh, call has gotten just to an insane time. But yeah, we've just been driving around, going from one store to the next to the next, just to see what they've got. And, uh, you know, we'll talk. With, oh, they have this here. Oh, this is the first time I've seen this. And we'll take a picture and send it to each other. <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And sometimes, unfortunately, recently, I've been having to go on my toy runs a little earlier than you because I'm always a little earlier anyways because I'm a time zone ahead of you. I'm in the central time zone and you're in the mountain, the mountain time zone. Whoa, hey. <laughs> There's a T in that word. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm ahead of you, but now I've been going a little earlier. So lots of times it'll just be me texting you and and then eventually you'll like be like, oh, I just woke up and now I'm heading out and I'll be like, oh, well, I'm back home again. Well, sometimes you get sent on errands, right? You have to go to the hardware store. You have to go to the grocery store. You have to go to Costco for the family. Yep. And they tend to want you to do that early, right? Like at nine in the morning or something. Yeah, that does happen. I go out while they're doing other stuff. I'm willing to uh, do the grocery shopping or whatever while my wife stays home putting together Ikea cabinets. (laughs) And she would rather stay home and put together Ikea cabinets than go to stores? Well, I mean, she doesn't want to go to the stores that I'm going to go to. (laughs) Okay. She doesn't want to hit the toy area of every place and go to Ross and look at the toys and all that kind of stuff. None of my family wants that. If they hear that that's what I'm doing, they're like, oh, I, I'm not even my son who loves toys is like, uh, I don't want to go to 10 toy stores, Dad. Seriously. <laughs> Kill me, please. Well, that's what we ought to talk about for this episode is just how in the heck do we enjoy doing that? Where did that start? <laughs> because, I, well, I'm going to use the S word here right at the top of the show. Uh, And and then I'll try not to use it anymore because the outcast doesn't have an explicit warning on it as far as I know. But there's a lot of, it's not even controversy. There's just a lot of ire towards scalpers in the toy collecting community. And I've been called that before uh, to the point where now I embrace it and I call myself that. I'm taking it back. And whenever I hear somebody rage about scalpers and how they're blood suckers, I will say, oh, you know, I happen to be secretary of the United Scalpers Association of America. And it bothers me to hear you saying that. I never say that I'm president. I'm always secretary of it. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't pull that off, tell somebody you're the president. They'd be like, dude, no, you're not. Come on. (laughs) But something that you and I talk about probably too often, but I talk about with these people a lot. Yes. What do I, what do you mean? These people, the people who are upset about the scalpers is that I will get compliments or I will get appreciation. Thank you. Letters from people who, well, I don't know that they're letters, but I'll get emails or, or messages (laughs) from people who do not want to go from store to store searching for toys. The last thing they want to do is spend their day off, you know, looking for something and the shelves might not 
have anything on it, so they have to go to another store. And then they have to go across town because that one didn't have it either, or there was something wrong with the one that was on the shelf. Somebody had stolen the accessories and then put it back. I say that because somebody did that to you just this week. <laughs> That's right. The last thing they want to do is go on a toy run, and they are willing to pay me to do it, and they're grateful to me that I am willing to do it. Uh, and whenever I say this to those people, what do you mean those people? It doesn't shut them up, but F them. <laughs> because there are people out there that don't consider what I do scalping. They consider it a service to them. In the same way as, you know, Amazon.com is the devil, right? But everybody loves the convenience of just being able to order it on Amazon.com. Right. Back when Toys R Us still existed. And don't give me that happy horse shit about Toys R Us coming back. It's not coming back. But when it existed, there'd be people, they love to go to Toys R Us and they love to talk to the people that worked at Toys R Us. And I'm so glad that you guys are here and I can look at this and see what the toy actually is, and whether I want it or not. And yes, if you've got it on your shelf and I look at it and I decide that I want it, well, thank you for being here. Now I'm going to go home and order it on Amazon. <laughs> Yeah, that happened all the time. What what you called Toys R Us a what was it? A showroom for Amazon.com, something like it. What did you call? Well, it? that's what I've heard Best Buy called is an Amazon showroom. <laughs> People go to Best Buy and they'll ask the questions and they'll look at all the uh, TVs and et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll say, oh, OK, well, um, we'll be in touch. And then, of course, they go home and buy it from Amazon. Yeah. At, uh, you know, much lower price. Yeah. And I guess I was making the parallel is that the convenience is so worth it for a lot of people. Uh, and then there are people that live in cities like Los Angeles, which is a toy black hole or New York City, which is what is worse than a toy black hole, a toy, a post-apocalyptic wilderness, you know, it just... <laughs> People who live in cities can't go to the stores. They're, they're, they're competing with 800 other collectors that want the one thing that happens to be on the X Toys R Us's pegs. And so, yeah, those people are, are thrilled that there are folks like me with time on their hands, but not only with time on their hands, who are willing to do it. And here, that's the, the reason that we're talking today is not only am I willing to do it, I enjoy toy hunting. <laughs> And you and I, every week, will talk. And lately, you've been making videos, toy hunting videos, and putting them on YouTube. Yeah, I thought that would be fun. I mean, I, I resurrected my toy channel basically just for that. I mean, I was thinking, oh, maybe I, I should do uh, toy videos. Because I've been doing a lot of toy hunting, and I started posting about it on my blog. And I know that nobody that comes to my blog cares about toys well that's not true we'll say one person that comes to my blog cares about toys and all the rest are just like oh it's another post like that i'll skip that one and i just thought why do i keep doing this i'm keeping it to myself and, I, and i'm putting in the time to write blog posts and stuff about this stuff and be like, oh i found this toy oh my gosh you guys don't you love it look at the picture i took of it but, you know, they don't, they didn't care. I ought to 
switch that over and, and take it to the place where there is an audience for that place where, you know, if, if only I had a channel that was dedicated solely to toys and people subscribed just to that channel because they like toys. And yeah, that's so I thought, oh, I guess I better start doing videos instead of doing this stuff that I've been doing. And the first video that I did, I was just, you know, I was at the store and I just thought, you know what? This would be fun. I should make a toy hunt video. Rish has always been telling me that he loves seeing people's toy hunt videos, but not really because the people that he tends to watch are like really boring and kind of annoying. And and he's just thought, but, but all these people watch their videos. You should do that on your toy channel. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do it. And so, yeah, I made it specifically for you because I thought you would find it fun. <laughs> and like the, the reason why you thought it would be fun is just because, you know, I mean, it's cool right now. But, you know, five years from now or something like that, you know, you could you could watch that again and see all the stuff on the shelves and be like, oh, my gosh, look at that toy that was just sitting there. And I didn't even care. I just walked right past it. And now that thing's worth you know, $200. If only I'd picked it up and <laughs> bought it and kept it in a box somewhere. Well, that that is the case, man. You know, you watch a, an old movie from the 80s and they go to a toy store or just the toy aisle in a regular store and you see all these memories from your childhood. You'll see a vintage Star Wars toys just hanging there or G.I. Joe's or Transformers or, in your case, Rainbow Bright, the things that really floated their boat back then. And it just it brings you back and be like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could go there now. And yes, part of it is because that stuff is worth a fortune. But the other part is just like there was a time when that stuff was easily grabbable and it's kind of magic to see it again. You and I would go on toy runs all the time. When we worked together, we first started hanging out together before we had the Dune Steve, which ate up our free time. <laughs> I think one of the things that we would do is we would hunt for toys together and talk about writing and talk about movies and all that stuff. And, and, and uh, boy, th those were, in, in, you know, those were the times I, I look back with such fondness on that, on the amount of time that we used to waste doing that and it doesn't seem like a waste at all and uh i just thought it would be fun if we could think back and remember those days and why we started doing it and just uh reminisce to see if uh if you're you remember that time as fondly as i do i do yeah i re it's funny because i remember you know you talking about it and the time that we wasted i remember when we did uh, work together and we would carpool we would meet at was that what was it albertson's is that what it was i think it was in albertson's uh we'd meet at the in the parking lot and uh then one of us would drive and we would always meet like an hour and a half or two hours ahead of the time that we were actually supposed to be at work it took us 45 minutes to get there, so there was that, but uh, you had to also add in the three Walmarts that we would stop at, 
on the way there. And then, of course, I would get home like two hours after work was over because we'd also stop at three Walmarts on the way home. Uh, so sometimes they were Targets. That's not true. It wasn't always Walmarts. <laughs> and we had certain routes that we had where, okay, we can go this way and we can hit this Walmart here and this Target there and this Walmart here on the way to work. And then we'll go home this other way so we can swing over. We can hit this Walmart here and this Target here. Sometimes we even went to a Toys R Us because those still existed back then. And at the time, I was a scalper as well, although... It's hard to think of myself as a scalper because I made so little money uh, off of each sale. I remember setting my shipping to a certain level, just thinking, okay, at least if I set this shipping here, when somebody manages to get the winning bid for 99 cents for this toy, I'll at least not lose money if I set the shipping to be this high because, you know, it'll, it'll work out. But yeah, the two of us would sell toys on eBay at the same time. We were competitors. (laughs) And sometimes we even joked around about the fact that we were, you know, we'd be walking towards the toy aisle and we'd talk about, you know, finding something that we were looking for, something that was rare or brand new or exciting or whatever. And you'd always talk about uh, that I would probably just push you down and then grab it. And I always, I always thought that was funny. That was a, a funny picture in my mind, just something like that happening. Come along and, oh, look, it's the face-off Captain America. Wow, those are brand new. And I just go, and push you down. Yes, they are, and I'm taking it. <laughs> well, that was the challenge, too, of the toy hunt, is that there was there were never too many to go around. The stuff we were looking for was rare. We couldn't, we wouldn't find it every single trip, especially when things were just hitting and, you know, oh my gosh, people are looking for this. If we found a whole case of this, oh, it would be like the 4th of July. And, and so, yeah, sometimes you and I would discover a case and we'd have to split it. And yeah, that stuff was fun. I remember when you decided you had to raise your shipping prices. Because there, there was this terrible feeling when you would buy something to sell and then sell it for less than you paid for it. And you would always joke. Do you remember what you would say? And it wasn't a joke, <laughs> but the, what you would always say when that happened? It wasn't a joke. Yeah, I just talk about how I, I, it wasn't a business in truth. It was just a hobby of finding toys and sending them to people around the country. <laughs> It was really frustrating sometimes when that would happen. And, you know, that was early days of eBay. I don't know if they had Buy It Now or if it was just that Buy It Now wasn't a common thing yet. But uh, I think you could put it in there. But it was more like you could put it in there and you'd put the price up to a certain height and then somebody who was just like, I'm taking this. I'm not going to let it get away to somebody else in the auction. And then they would do the buy it now and, and win. But these days, you know, you can just set a price and say, I'll accept this much and no less. And the likelihood of you losing money on something at least is lower. But yeah, that did that happened a lot, and it did get frustrating sometimes, you know. And you're sending you're in, 
And if you didn't send it off to this person who paid 99 cents for it, way less than it would have cost them to buy it at the store in the first place. And if it didn't get to them like super fast, etc., they could like give you a negative feedback and, and screw you up because of that. And it's just like, gosh, this, this guy paid 99 cents. And now he's dinging me on my feedback rating. Why am I doing this? Yeah, you you struggled with the why am I doing this a lot. And part of the, I guess, the fun or part of what made the experience bearable, I suppose, is that we had each other to complain about. We had (laughs) each other to share. Like sometimes I will still let you know of like the, the emails that I get or just the ridiculous petty questions or complaints or whatever and yeah when you raised your prices so that you'd stop losing money on any transactions there there was a guy that emailed you and he said 479 for shipping i will not be bidding and that was his whole email and you read it to me and we read it back and forth to each other it's like i will not be bidding and i think it became more and more like you know Somebody from Bel Air and their voice and their, you know their you know their <laughs> their nose in the air as they were saying I will not, and I still remember that all these years later, um, the dealing with the customers was the worst part of eBay. Yeah, uh, and the vast majority of customers were cool. They were grateful. They they were in this hobby for fun. You know what? We weren't selling pacemakers or catheter tubes or colostomy bags or things that people had to have. We were selling things that were for hobbies, for for toys, you know, that kind of stuff. And so the vast majority of people appreciated that. But we didn't notice what the vast majority did. (laughs) Yep, that's the way it is. We only noticed what the really pissy, petty person did. And I always use the, you know, the example of the absolute worst experience that I had was the guy who tracked down my telephone number because he had my return address on the the, the label. The package. And he called me at home and left a message on the answering machine threatening me, saying that he knew where I lived. You know, it's like, holy crap, man. And we talked about that for years (laughs) Because you're like, you know, you could just go to the police with that because this idiot was brilliant enough to leave his threat on your voicemail. And I was like, yeah, gosh, why didn't I think of that? And we didn't think about it because we were new. It was all new. Yeah. We hadn't done this before. And so it was kind of an adventure and there was a learning curve. And we discovered that you could lose money and essentially pay somebody to send them something to their house. <laughs> and that, that it's a you nice know, that hobby. Would, yeah, that it's it's it was something that that it took time for us to figure out how to do. And the hobby of finding toys and redistributing them all around the country. What a fun and exciting hobby. <laughs> <laughs> well. I guess so, but the point of this episode was supposed to be that it at, it was fun at first for both of us. That it definitely was, and, and I think the the hunting always was the funnest part. There were other things that were fun, you know. Sometimes you'd sell something and it would go for way more than you thought, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's so great! 
can't believe it. That's the most I've ever sold something for. You know, my record from those days would be you would just laugh when you heard it because, uh, you know, now I'm sure even the stupid figures you sell for that much. But yeah, you know, it was it was always super exciting and exciting when you found something that you knew would be valuable, you know, like uh, Toy Biz back in the day would make variant figures. They would put an unmasked head of on some figure instead of the regular head where that has the mask on. But you only got that, I don't know, every other box or every few or maybe it was only one per box out of the. I don't think it was even that many. It had to be in less than less than one per box. And so you'd find one. You'd be like, oh my gosh, this is the gold Iron Man instead of the silver one. This first appearance Iron Man is going to be even more valuable. And, we, you know, we'd get so excited about it. That was always the, the, the thing. I think it's, it's like something to do with, you know, we call it a hunt because it kind of is like that, you know. Like I, I think that it... It harkens back to like our evolutionary past, you know, where like we would go out, all the hunters from the tribe would go out and we'd, you know, be looking for an animal that could be our dinner. And then when we find it, it's, oh, we're, we're going to eat today. This is so great. And, you, you know, you track it down and you get it and you catch it and then you go home all victorious. You've got this great score and you know your whole tribe is going to be able to eat now and they're all going to be so happy and proud of you you come back into camp with the animal over your shoulder as this great trophy and they all look at you and go "Ooh, yeah well yeah do you remember what toy companies call those variant figures because it goes hand in hand with chase yeah they were chase chase figures figures, right because you have to chase for them you have to beat the other guys at getting them you know yeah yeah that was the best part that's why we would be willing to meet earlier and stay later and and there were some times when it'd be like oh shoot it's getting pretty late should we just go home and we'd be like well let's let's go to one more store just in case (laughs) just just in case we find some you know, crazy thing or a great deal, you know, something on clearance or somebody has hidden or returned something that hasn't been on shelves in years, you know, that kind of stuff would happen from time to time. And uh, I thought that that was the best. And the the big, whatever you call it, the, the great hunt of that time was when you and I Went to the San Diego Comic-Con <laughs> for the very first time that summer. We had tickets and we, I, we had a free place to stay. And so all we had to do essentially was pay for gas and food. And toys. And, uh, <laughs> and toys. It was when we were first getting into this and we had found... And, and yeah, this, this was one of the things is... I mentioned cities earlier. We found out early on that people that lived in New York City didn't have access to Walmarts. There weren't any. So the only way for them to get Walmart exclusive figures was through eBay. And so it was always people on on the East Coast or in New York or whatever that had to have these because this was before the time when you could just go to walmart.com and try and, and order it. And so... 
yeah, they were they were desperate. They really, really wanted this stuff. And Walmart had all these exclusive waves of figures that were hitting at the same time. And so tell the folks at home what we did <laughs> when we drove down to San Diego, California. Yeah, I, I just looked it up. San Diego was a 700-mile drive for us. And we stopped as we drove to San Diego at every single walmart along the way in the middle of the night and we we filled because it was what was it it was the giant man wave right that was the toy biz wave that uh was in the stores which was an exclusive walmart wave and it was huge too it had way more figures than waves usually do i would say a wave of figures usually has six maybe eight figures but i think giant man had like 13 or something like that so there was tons of them to find and yeah we stopped at every single walmart all the way down even like some of them i wondered why like one of them we stopped in uh, the la area somewhere and we went in there and we're just like oh my gosh you know a lot of times you'll talk about a store looking like an inner city Kmart. <laughs> and that's what this one looked like. It was just ransacked. Like everything was on the ground instead of on the shelves. It was just terrible. And there was nothing. There was nothing that we wanted. We walked in there and went, uh, okay, I guess we shouldn't have uh, left the freeway to go to this one. And of course, I'm sure it took us like a half an hour to get back on the freeway because it was the L.A. area. So, you know, it's just the way it is. But uh, but yeah, we we bought so many figures on the way down. And I remember we got and we went to your it was your mom's like beach house or whatever that we, we stayed at. And I remember us going in there with bags and bags and bags of figures and then just making stacks of them. <laughs> on the floors like here's my stack look i have three sentries oh i have the bearded one too that's the valuable one (laughs) etc etc we had so many of those figures just stacked up and then we went to the comic-con and we looked at you know what you could buy there and was just like yeah but i just got that same figure for eight dollars at walmart seven eighty eight yeah i'm not gonna spend 20 at the comic-con tables so it made comic-con you know a little anticlimactic in the end there was other things about comic-con that was good but well yeah that's something that i don't know that we talked about i mean in those days a marvel legends figure was 788 at walmart 799 at target and Toys R Us had them for eight ninety nine, which seemed <laughs> like a lot of money in those days. Like, ah, oh, it's a whole dollar more, dude. Yeah, that's outrageous. It's like, if if it's a rare figure, okay, I'll pay eight ninety nine at Kmart or at, at Toys R Us, but I'll do it under duress, man. I, oh, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And now, you know, a single figure has has gone up from nineteen ninety nine. To twenty two ninety nine to twenty four ninety nine, and now we're seeing thirty one ninety nine for a single figure in twenty twenty two, and the prices have just you know gone up this year. Yeah, they're they're skyrocketing. When, when, when the year started, 
they had said they're going up to $22.99 a piece. And we're like, oh no, that, oh dude, that's so much. And now, yeah, I think when I saw the most recent X-Men wave for $22.99 at Target, I was like, well, that's a bargain. Because they're, they're $24.99 at, at Walmart. Yeah, I'll scoop these up and, and consider myself lucky. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And they put out the newest uh, Sergeant Slaughter G.I. Joe guy. And I don't know if this is, I mean, I'm hoping that this is why, that it's some kind of San Diego Comic-Con exclusive figure, which I don't know why they even call them that anymore because you don't get them at Comic-Con. You actually order them online. But, uh, yeah, they had a, a Sergeant Slaughter that came out, Hasbro put out, and they want $33.99 for the figure. It's not Sergeant Slaughter that comes with a motorcycle to ride or he comes with a horse or anything he's just a plain old sergeant slaughter he comes with a whistle <laughs> does he really come with a whistle he does yeah why want uh because he's the drill sergeant so he's gotta blow his whistle i guess i don't know the, the uh, original one i think had a whistle around his neck it was sculpted on so you couldn't like take it off but now you can. The whistle is removable. So it's super fan. It's definitely worth $33.99, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is. I, You know, they were talking about they're using the oil shortage as an excuse for raising the price up, 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 up. You know, they, sorry, petroleum is how these figures are made. And the, the, the price of petroleum has gone sky high. And so our figure prices have to go sky high too. But now we're sort of past that and the gas prices are starting to go down and oil prices are dropping significantly, but they're still raising their effing prices. Yeah, they're definitely it's not, not gonna... like they said, we made it through this dark time together, folks. Now our prices will go back to normal. It's like, no, F that. We found out that you guys will pay $25 instead of $20. So let's see if you'll pay $27.99. Yeah, that's the way it goes. They never go back down. That never happens. You know, they raise them up because there's a problem and then they stay there. That's one thing that's interesting. You know, gas prices are probably the only price that goes up and down. <laughs> Everything else only goes up. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but... Yeah, people complain, oh, gas prices are so high. And then, you know, I don't know, the pandemic happens. And they're like, oh, my gosh, they're, it's $1.30 for a gallon of gas. That doesn't happen. You never like, oh, yeah, petroleum is so cheap. Now we're going to lower our figures back down to $7.88 again, like they were in 2005. Yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand that the prices are never going to go back to where they were then. But. Some of this stuff is, uh, and you'll hear their excuses. You know, there are licensing fees that they have to pay to Disney or to Warner Brothers or, you know, whatever it is. Or you know, it's hard for them to get stuff to us. You know, the transportation has tripled in price or whatever. Right. Or they used to be able to pay Chinese people 13 cents an hour. And, and it was 10-year-old Chinese people they were paying 13 cents an hour. And they can't do that now. People want a living wage over there. And so the prices go up and up and up. But there's still the greed factor, the corporate greed factor. And that's where you get the, 
Well, you paid $25 for it. Let's see if you'll pay $28 for it kind of thing. Yeah. And the sad thing is that they find that we will. <laughs> exactly. We will pay this crazy thing for it because we're addicted to it, because we we love it, because we can't say no. And there's that whole idea of FOMO, the fear of missing out. If you don't buy it right now, if you don't pre-order it, then you'll have to pay the eBay prices. And the eBay prices can be ludicrous. <laughs> Thank goodness that they can be ludicrous, you know, for me, at least. <laughs> Thank goodness for you. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting thing. And that's what I was going to say is that, you know, corporate greed, I guess. But all we have to do is say no. That's the good thing about the capitalism. There's no force involved. They don't come in there and take your money and say, here, here's your action figure. You keep this. I'm taking your money we still give it to them, you know, and at some point, and I guess not everybody does. Some people get over it. Some people eventually say, yeah, you know what? Uh, it's not worth it anymore. I'm not going to collect this anymore, or I will only collect some, you know, some people collect everything and then they change their mind. They're like, okay, I don't have to have everything. I'll have you know, just the guys that I like the most. I've always kind of been that way. I don't do a lot of collecting everything. Certain things I like more than others, and I would, you know, be happy to get more of it than I can actually find. I can't decide. It, I think a lot of it is supply chain problems, but I think just as much of it is, you know, the company that's making them didn't believe in them enough to produce enough of them. And so... They just can't be found. They turn out to be rare, and so they're rare. You're lucky if you find them, and then if you didn't, well, you can buy them from eBay for a gigantic markup from Mr. Richoutfield. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had to do that. Like, G.I. Joe was one of my favorite things growing up. I loved G.I. Joe. That was my favorite toy line. You know, I had three toy lines that I liked the most. It was Star Wars and G.I. Joe and Transformers. And of those three, you know, I, I could never afford Transformers. They were just more expensive. And I, I didn't get nearly as many Transformers as I did G.I. Joe's. Because you could get a G.I. Joe guy for three bucks. Star Wars was the same thing. Although Star Wars, you know, faded away when I was younger. So it was before, really, I did much buying of anything. And uh, more when, you know, I might get a Star Wars guy for my birthday or something. But yeah, I loved G.I. Joe's. There was several years where I collected so many of them and I just dug on it so much. And now they're suddenly, you know, making new, fancy, you know, six-inch scale, very detailed, beautiful-looking figures. And it's hard when I can't find them anywhere to just be like, well, okay, I guess I just won't have a Viper because I had a Viper when I was a kid and I loved it. And, ah, oh, such a bummer that I can't find it. But, yeah, I don't know. You know, that, I guess, is part of the deal. You know, I, I heard with these Vipers that I could never find. Those were Target exclusive. So you could only get them in Target. And there were people that, I guess, you know, the day that they were supposed to come out, they would be lined up outside the store before it opened looking for the Viper. 
And I guess, it, you know, it's my own fault. I didn't have that kind of dedication. I was not willing to line up outside the store before it opened. Find out what day it was coming out, what day it was likely to arrive there and be there. I mean, you told me once about a guy who went to Target, what, like two or three times a day? Yeah, he said that. he. I, I'm not sure that he was bragging. He's one of those guys that has an Instagram following. You know, thousands or tens of thousands of people follow him and he'll post pictures of the stuff. And he always finds stuff first and he t- takes pictures of it and, sent, and, you know, these are hitting stores now. And somebody asked him, how are you always finding this stuff? And yeah, his that's his job <laughs> to find toys and post about them. And he's paid by toy companies and stuff to... Uh, recommend their stores and, and and he said that he he goes to his local target three times a day so that he can find this stuff first before anybody else before you and i can get to it and i thought about that and i was just like oh my gosh i i will go to the local target twice a week if something is hitting you know and i was like okay i I was here on Sunday, and now it's when okay, it's time to go again, uh, and that seems like dedication to me, you know. <laughs> but this guy, you know, he makes it happen, and that thing that you were talking about of going to the store before that it opened, I only ever did that once, and it was when a new wave of Toys R Us exclusive Star Wars guys was coming out, and there was this big buzz about it, and people were talking about it online, and. People at Toys R Us were saying, okay, when is that? On Saturday, you guys are going to have those on, you know, what time do you open? You open at 10 a.m.? And I thought, well, I'm going to do that. And so I got up early and went there and I was waiting outside the doors at, you know, 945. There were these people that do this all the time. That is their thing. They, they have to have every single figure. And sometimes they'd have to have more than one of every single figure and and it just astounded me that they always did this. This was a once, one time only thing for me. And I exaggerate because, you know, once it, Marvel Legends started having like exclusives or whatever, I, yes, I would go and standing outside the door, you know, for those kind of things all the time. There was one time when there was a Toys R Us exclusive Marvel Legends wave, and I went to every single Toys R Us. Uh, except for the one that's like 108 miles away. But yeah, I just went to all of them. I took my nephew with me. He was like seven at the time. And he still talks about that. Do you remember when we went to all the Toys R Us's? And it basically ate up our whole day. But, uh, you know, it was fun. In a way, the adventure of it was fun. Talking about it, the story talking about it now is fun. And what you and I did, yeah, that time... And I wish we had taken a picture of our our hall, yeah, our toy hall, or our you know whatever you call that, yeah, the giant stack. Uh, because it was like trophies, like somebody <laughs> in the Serengeti, with you know showing the things that they had killed. Yeah. Except for you know it didn't kill anything but brain cells and our, our youth. <laughs> yeah, we just killed a lot of time and uh, money out of our wallets. But that giant man figure is worth like $300 today. 
And so if we had a picture of us with all of those, I mean, they were stacked. It, we filled every space of the car so much that we would bring them to the, the, the beach house, unload the entire car, and then fill it up again. And so we had to like throw away all the packaging and stuff so that we could fit it in the car for the drive home. Yep, it was pretty crazy. And uh, that was an adventure. I told people about it. It's just like, yeah, I, I, I really wanted to do this and see, you know, if I could make money on it. Uh, as you know, like a, as a, a, a after work kind of thing as a hobby. And I spent like a thousand dollars. And now you're just like, wow, a thousand dollars I spent this week. <laughs> but you know, that, the, that was the big trip, the, the thing. And, and oh my gosh, we hated Walmart so much by the time it was like 4:35 AM and it's like, oh, shoot, there's another Walmart. Okay, we got to get off on this. <laughs> oh, we already missed it. Do we care? Do we go back? And it was like, yeah, of course we go back. <laughs> that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, too, though. When we went again together two years later, we did not do that. Yeah, that's true. Things had changed by then, if I remember right. I think that the next time that we went, I think I may have already stopped selling by then and so it wasn't as rewarding but yeah we used to do that in other ways too i mean there was the 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 town that was north or we would go to work and then you we would go back south to go home or there was a town which was a similar distance to the north of us that also had Walmarts, and there was a couple of times where, yeah, after work, I think even, we would get off work at like 11 or 10, uh, 10 or 11 at night. Yeah, because the show ended at 10.30, and then there'd be a meeting after that. Yep, and then we'd be like, okay, let's go on up to these ones, and we, you know, we didn't do it very often, but we would remember it forever, you know, but, oh, you remember that? We went to that one and we found all those face-off guys <laughs> that we hadn't seen in forever. Oh, and so many of them. And you've got the box set. I still remember that. We, that, that was the only time I ever found Spider-Man's Fearsome Foes set. The Toys R Us way, way up there. In a town so far away, I, we only ever went there again to meet Marshall Latham. That's how far away it was. <laughs> and they had the, yeah, the Spider-Man Fearsome Foes box set, which I never saw again. Yeah. Uh, that's one of those fun things about Toys R Us, though. You know, they had so much space that they never put stuff on sale. And so you would find things that had been sitting there forever. I used to do that after I moved here to Texas. There was a, a Toys R Us, and I loved to go and look at it, and I would find old lego sets that you know you haven't seen in in years be like oh my gosh look at this it's chima no <laughs> just stuff like that where he's like wow look at this thing still here and then you know finally five years later they're like okay i guess we'll clear this out and so they put something on clearance and you're like wow look at this this super old set of lego figures and and they're on clearance it was really cool. I liked because I started collecting Lego minifigures, which were the ones that they put in the blind bags. You can't even see which one's in there. And, you know, they'd put out a set of them, like 12 guys that you can get. And then, you know, three or four months later, they put a new set of 12. And three or four months later, is a new set of 12. 
But you go to Toys R Us and you'd find the ones from three years before, like before I even started collecting. It's like, oh, look, here's the ones that I, I can only look at pictures of on the Internet. But now they're here and I can grab some. And I used to do that. Unfortunately, uh, a guy named Harvey ruined that all for me. <laughs> he came in and screwed up my Toys R Us and it never opened again. Hurricane Harvey is what you're talking about, right? That's right, yeah. Or did Harvey Weinstein get his filthy hands on your story? <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm telling my Me Too story now. <laughs> yeah, Hurricane Harvey flooded my Toys R Us. And uh, that was a year before Toys R Us went bankrupt. And yeah, they were in the process of getting my Toys R Us back up on its feet and open again. And then now nah, they went bankrupt. And so they're just like, yeah, you know what? Thanks anyways, but we're just never going to open this again. And so, yeah, it just sat there for years, actually. It just finally changed into a different store like three or four months ago. One day, they, somebody finally scrubbed like the, the Toys R Us sign had been removed but you could still see the outline of it you know where the like the the dirt and stuff would sit around it so there was like the ghost of the toys r us logo on the side of the wall for years and you could just look at it and be like oh that's sad well do you remember when you came to visit a couple of years ago and it was a summer's day and you and I had the whole day, essentially, to hang out with, one, with each other. Do you remember <laughs> what we did? We went toy hunting. Yeah, I remember. You took me up to some store that was known as a, as a website to me, but it turns out they actually had a physical location. We went to that. We went to several other places. We went to a Walmart. We went to, what was the name of Bricks and Minifigs? I think I even made you go and look at. Oh, because that must have been during that time when you were into the Lego thing. Or are you still into the Lego thing? Yeah, I still like the Lego minifigures, but I don't really collect them anymore because I ran out of space for them on my shelves. I went through and actually built all the dividers for my shelves, and I found that I don't have enough space for any more Lego minifigures, so it's time to, time to quit. And so they've had several waves that I totally would have bought. Like right now, they, I think they have a Muppets wave out. Oh, I totally would have bought probably all of those, but I don't have any place to put them, so I didn't. Well, I have kept you uh, up far, far too long. And yes, that, that was part of it when we would be on our drives home. And I'd be like, hey, if we go on the very, very, very western road, there are two Walmarts that we can hit. And you're just like, dude... That's like 23 miles out of our way. <laughs> it's like, I'll be getting home at 1 a.m. And I was like, okay, all right. And, th and then you do it. And then we drive down that long, long street. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't been on that street in years. And you either, I would assume. <laughs> Not, it's been at least five years. That, but that, that was, a, and maybe, yeah, going back to the, so now that's an outtake. But yeah, you... Going back to the thing that I just cut out of our conversation, there was a gambling aspect to it. It's like, well, look, we could go home or we could drive another 10 miles and maybe find something really valuable, really good. 
And yeah, also a competition aspect to it too. You know, you're you're out there and you want to beat the other people. I remember once going and getting to a store and me joking and saying, "What if there's somebody else?" You know, we were like looking at something else or walking slowly or stopping to grab a soda or something like that. I'm like, what if there's somebody else ahead of us that are getting into the toy aisle right now and getting all the toys? <laughs> and you're like, oh, geez, now you've got me nervous. Let's go. Let's go now. You know, we can get this stuff after. And yeah, it's it's funny, but that's the way it is. You're you're trying to seize on that stuff before somebody else can. And it was really rare for us to run into other people that were doing what we were doing. And it's a lot less rare for me now that I went to Target the other day and I had a, a dinosaur in my cart and there was this dude and he asked for it out of my cart. He said, oh, hey, my kid's been really, really looking for this. Yeah, I, I was really tempted to give it to him. Finally, I was like, hey, let's find an employee and see if they have any more. And uh, they didn't. <laughs> and then I said, okay, uh, am I going to give this guy this thing that I came to the store to buy? And I, I, I had the employee look and see if any of the other targets around had it in their inventory. And I, yeah, I told myself, if any of them do, then yeah, I'll give him this one and I'll go find another one. But they didn't. And yeah, now they're everywhere. And when I see them, I don't even buy them. But I do remember <laughs> running to that guy and he gave me a sob story about his kid. But yeah, there was a competitive part of it, of beating the other ones to it. You know, it's like when, when you and I would find a case that no one had opened, it's like we get first dibs on the really rare stuff in this case, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah. and I miss that, that there was something you felt like you had won. Yeah, those were the, those were the days too. You can't get really do that much anymore because Walmart's stopped being open 24 hours when the pandemic hit. But we used to go to Walmart late at night and we'd get there and they'd have all the boxes just out. They were going to be stocking the shelves, but they were still just all sitting piled on a, a pallet at the time. And we would like walk around the pallet reading what was in them. <laughs> Be like, uh, oh, oh, wait, look, this one here is Marvel Legends. And there was several times we would find one, cut the box open and take what we wanted from it before they even managed to get it on the shelf. Well, those were good times. And it's a shame they couldn't last forever or always be, always be good. I, the, 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 there was nothing worse than driving all the way up there, 23 miles out of our way, knowing that you wouldn't get a full night's sleep because of it, and the store had nothing. So yeah, <laughs> you, you could sometimes roll snake eyes or you know, house winds, whatever gambling metaphor you want to put on that. But we don't think about that. We don't remember those days. We just remember the triumphant ones. and uh, Yeah, that's a good thing. And that's what I wanted to uh, reminisce with you about this, is those, those were good days and really, really fun. And yeah, they, they didn't last. But sometimes you and I talk about that stuff or we're both on the phone. We both go into a store at the same time. And this is what I found and this is what you found. And if one of us found something, you get that. Oh, wow. Hey, 
I lucked out and he didn't, or he lucked out and I didn't. So it's almost like we're doing it again. Yeah, that's it's nice that there is something that's like that. You know, we were already talking earlier about how, you know, you get the, the annoying comments from customers or whatever. And those are the things you remember. You don't remember the thousands of people that left you uh, positive feedback and didn't bother you at all. They were just happy and said, thanks for that. Super fast shipping. We'll buy again. A plus plus plus. You know, you don't you don't remember those people, but you do remember the annoying one. So it's neat, I guess, that life isn't necessarily that way. When you look back and you remember things from the past, you tend to uh, remember the good stuff. You know, it's like people say they say that, you know, music isn't better now. It's just that now you have to listen to the crap and the good stuff but when you go back and you listen to 80s music the only thing that they play is the good stuff they didn't keep all the crap and keep playing that you know they got rid of that and that's like our memories you know you don't hold on to the the crap and the weird thing too is that sometimes even crap becomes a good memory you know, it becomes a good story. You fell and broke your leg or something, and now you tell the story like, oh, yeah, remember this funny thing that happened to me? Instead of, oh, my gosh, remember the horrible pain that I went through when this happened? You block that out. I guess that's how women manage to keep having more babies year after year, and there's still a human race because they block out the horrible pain. <laughs> Well, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, I nearly started in on that, too. Um, <laughs> and, and there, yeah, there's more stuff to talk about with the toys. I nearly talked about, like, there have been celebrities that have bought f- figures from me, and I've sent them. Keith Tecklitz bought a figure from me, and I sent it to him. And I was He's a celebrity. I emailed him, and I said, <laughs> I said, Keith, you bought a figure from me. And he was like, oh, I had no idea that that was you. That's funny. That sort of stuff is... is uh, it's fun. Well, the, the, the cream is fun. And then fun. you said, I have your address, Keith. You better be nice. Yes. I left a voicemail <laughs> for him, threatening his children. Yeah, you left him a nasty voicemail. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Big Anklevich, host of the Doonstief Audio Fiction Magazine, an all-around great guy. If you're like me, fresh breath is important to you. But even with flossing, brushing, and mouthwash, there's no way to ensure clean, minty breath all day long. Is there? Well, there is now with breath enhancement tablets. Just one breath enhancement pill in the morning keeps my mouth smelling smooth and enticing all day long. I can even go to sleep and welcome my lady friend the next morning without any worry. My mouth might smell like Rish Outfield. Hey! One little purple pill guarantees 19 to 23 hours of great fresh breath. Try breath enhancement today. Warning. Certain side effects may accompany the use of breath enhancement. Side effects may include dry mouth, irritability, hives, itchy tongue, and sore throat. People using breath enhancement may experience some or all of the following. Insomnia, trouble swallowing, sensitivity to light, headaches, and swelling of cheeks, earlobes, and buttocks. Drowsiness, anxiety, genital warts or lesions, and persistent night terrors or fear of elves. Scabies, diarrhea, prolonged or permanent erectile dysfunction, fever, and irrational attraction to the ugly or deformed. 
backache, dementia, loss of vision and or stomach lining, dwarfism, and alarmingly copious and uncontrollable rectal bleeding. Inflamed lymph nodes, increase in back or ear hair, death, the spontaneous reversal of genital development, and persistent chills. Seasonal allergies, the insatiable desire to murder children, night sweats, sour breath, and the inability to see the letter W. So get breath enhancement and start breathing easier today. All right, well, I'm going to let you go to bed. It's past 1 a.m. for you. It is. Which is what happens when we go to that faraway Walmart. <laughs> right. But, boy, it would be nice if you and I lived, I almost said if we lived together. But, yeah, that's that's maybe a little too TMI there. <laughs> but if, it, would be, it would be cool if we could go on toy runs again, side by side, one day. Yeah, that would be fun. I guess at the very least, the next time I visit, we can go uh, hopefully do a, a, another toy run. Maybe we'll find those G.I. Joe metal figurine things again on big sale. <laughs> well, until that day, till all are one. Till the day when all are one. Thank you for joining me. I uh, have been Rish Outfield. And I've been Big Anglovich. Uh, am I supposed to sing out like that, or it's your show? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's just third week in a row we're podcasting together, so you know, old habits die hard. Yeah. <laughs> See you, everybody. Uh, hey, Thanks for folks, having me. Well, no, before you hang up, Big Anglovich is doing the ankle cast again, and that and and where can they find that? You can just search for it on iTunes. Uh, wait, iTunes isn't a thing anymore, is it? I, I guess Apple Podcasts. Oh, I didn't know iTunes wasn't a thing. Yeah, they got rid of what it. What about all the thousands of songs people bought on iTunes that were only good through iTunes? Well, they just changed the name of it. It's just called Apple Music now. It used to be called iTunes. And, and podcasts, I think, are separate now. They're Apple Podcasts. Um, but yeah, you can find it there. Uh, you can find the episodes at my blog. Uh, it's BigAnklevich at blogspot.com. You can join my Patreon. That would be really awesome. Uh, you're joking, right? Become a supporter of my Patreon. You could become a non-athletic supporter, or you could become a compression sock, or you could become <laughs> a spandex girdle. There's all different types of... I can't believe you really went with those names. I thought those were placeholders that you wrote to amuse me. I just thought of supportive things. And so uh, the, the most supportive thing you could, you know, if you don't want to be a spandex girdle, then you can go all the way and become a steel girder. So you don't have to be a girdle. But anyways, yeah, you can find that at uh, patreon.com slash as you might expect. But yeah, it's the same ankle cast that, that's always existed. So if you're not subscribed already, you should definitely jump on and subscribe. And if there's a podcast thing, a service or whatever that you like and you're not finding it on, let me know and I will try and get it on there. I, I let that kind of stuff go for a long time. And so I don't even know where... I need to put it and where it isn't and all that kind of stuff. So probably need to figure that stuff out and kind of up the uh, availability of it. Maybe that's why our downloads went down so low from the Doonstief. Is this just, we just stopped being available where people would find it. Okay. 
And they know where to find me. I'm uh, patreon.com forward slash Rish Outfield or wherever you found this. Yeah, you are listening to it, so you must know how to find it. What if they aren't listening to it? How creepy would that be? Okay, thank you again for wasting your night on this toy run with me. And uh, hopefully I can come up with a clever name for this episode. Uh, one way to find out. <laughs> Good night, everybody. See ya! Greetings. This is fake Sean Connery. You know what scares me? Besides the unholy amount of work Rish puts into these fruitless, interminable episodes of his, but he does it all under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 license which makes the episodes free to listen to, download, and spread around. Oh, the license does forbid changing the files, or selling them, or claiming them for your own. But that's little comfort when I'm trying to get some sleep and Rish is over there clicking away like a madman, cutting out arms and snorts and you knows and the profanities he screams at passing vehicles. Special thanks to Gino Morito, who created the logo. Can that be right? Gino? And to you, for listening all the way through to the end. Yeah, the people are not listening to the show. They're reading the Braille transcription of it. (laughs) The story of the bloop began in the year humanity would have designed... 4,234 BCE, with an error in astronomical spectropathy. Astronomical spectromacy. Spectroscopy. 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 With an error in astronomical spectroscopy. Spectroscopy. With an error in astronomical spectropathy. With an error in asquin... <laughs> oh boy. Spectrop... Spectroscopy, 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 with an error in astronomical spectroscopy, with an error in astronomical, with an error in astronomical spectroscopy, with an error in with an error in astronomical spectroscopy, with an error in astronomical, with an error in astronomical spectroscopy, spectroscopy. This can be an outtake, but uh, you know how that you used to spend time feeling the packages of uh, <laughs> Harvey yeah. Weinstein? No, of, of the Lego pack of the Lego minifigs. Uh-huh. Because if you if you knew what you were feeling, if you could see in your head, you could figure out which figure was which just just from the the. Okay, this one has uh, obviously has a a crown. That kind yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah, this guy has a cowboy hat. It must be this one. And did you feel like you were getting away with something doing that? I, I remember seeing <laughs> the blind bag fondlers at Toys R Us. <laughs> and they'd, you know, they'd just be doing that. They, they, they didn't care how they looked. Yeah, I, uh, it, it was pretty annoying.
admittedly to stand there and you would spend so much time and I still every now and then will have to do that because my son still loves Legos and every now and then they'll have a thing and he'll be like oh I want this one and so we'll stand there and and feel them up stand there and palpitate the blind bags and yeah it was such a pain in the butt but I got pretty good at it to where I almost never got the wrong figure. I went years without getting the wrong figure, you know, buying a figure that I thought was something else and realizing, ah, crap, I wasted money. (laughs) And I liked that because I could do that. You know, I could get away with it. I could find the guys and I wouldn't have to spend extra. And there were far worse people. I mean, there were people who just rip it open in the store and look inside. Oh, no, I don't want this one. Just leave it there. You'd find open bags and even like pieces loose on the shelves or whatever. There was that. And, you know, what I really hate is the blind boxes. When they're like, no, you can't feel this and figure out what's in here. It's in a box and there's no way for you to know. It's just like, okay, well, I'm not buying then. Sorry. (laughs) You guys, you priced me out of the market. It's like Hasbro raising their prices to $30. It's like, nope, okay, I guess I'm done. I don't need them that bad. And yeah, that's the way I feel about blind boxes. It's like, if it's not a bag that I can feel up. Uh, it, and what I really liked, uh, they had these Imaginext guys that me and my son uh, got for him for a while. And they would just have numbers on the back of the bags. So if you just looked up on the website and it would tell you, this number is this guy. And then you could look on the back and be like, oh, okay, this is the one we want. That was my favorite. I think that was the way it went with Legos at first, too. But when people figured that out, they changed their ways. So it's not so easy. How did it feel when you would, you know, when you would put your hands on one of these bags and identify that, okay, this is one of the ones that I need. This is one of the ones I don't already have. And you'd get it home and open it. And it was one of the ones you already had. (laughs) Your fingers had tricked you. Yeah, that happened to me. Uh, I think I even took a picture of it and like posted it on Instagram because they had a Disney one going and they had Scrooge McDuck and then Huey, Dewey and Louie. And as you can guess, I'm sure it's hard to tell Huey, Dewey and Louie apart just by feeling them. And yeah, one time I was sure that I had the right one. And then I got home and I'm like, ah, damn it, this is the green one again. I have that one. I was so irritated. But yeah, I took a picture of it and posted, yeah, I I was finally defeated. I was undefeated for years. I was De La Salle High School for years. And now... What the crap? I'm just Bella Vista. (laughs) What does that mean? Uh, in case you're wondering what that reference is, De La Salle is a high school that had like a 10-year winning streak in high school football. And Bella Vista was the school that I went to. And I found out that it had like a five-year losing streak. And I just thought, oh my gosh, my alma mater <laughs> is the anti-De La Salle. Uh, I'm so disgusted. But uh, but yeah, that's what it was like. It was uh, it was such a bummer when I finally lost 
was I was thwarted. That's something, and I I know this is a tangent. We should hang up, but that whole blind box blind bag fad that hit it was one of those things where you and i could not get our minds around it it's like why do kids love this so much and i think i remember watching a youtube video where like a psychologist like a child psychologist said it's gambling for kids they get the the dopamine rush or whatever that a gambler gets when he gets 21 or he gets, you know, the three sevens together. And, you know, and I, I guess I started resenting the toy makers instead of the kids <laughs> when I heard that. But uh, yeah, it's kind of dirty. I have to say, it, you know, it's the same. That's that's exactly what Chuck E. Cheese is too. Chuck E. Cheese is a casino for children. You know, the kids will go and they'll play just to win tickets. They don't even care about the game. They're like, this game gives lots of tickets. And they'll play some stupid game just so that they can get more tickets. Not even the fun one. It's just the one that gives you more tickets. Also, that they can take those tickets and get like a miniature Frisbee that they'll play with for a day and then it's broken. Or like a... a, a plastic slinky that's going to be tangled into a freaking mess by morning. And it's like, uh, this probably wasn't worth it, guys. Maybe we should do something more fun instead. But yeah, that's definitely, I think, what blind bags and blind boxes are. And maybe, yeah, by palpitating them over and over again, it's like, uh, it's like beating the house. 